Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part two. And at the end of the last talk, I spoke at great length about accessory spleens, the challenge not confusing them with neuroendocrine tumors, and the difficulty in diagnosis. And the point I focused on was that splenic tissue and these accessory spleens behave the same on the different phases of acquisition. And so, for example, when you look at this case, I showed you the fact you have a lesion which is intrapancreatic, but you recognize that it looks the same on early phase imaging as the spleen. And as you would go through different phases, the changes would be the same. I also made the point in this case, the importance of looking beyond just the axial imaging. And you see very nicely in the coronal view, and at times the coronal view is particularly helpful at allowing you to make the correct diagnosis that it is the same as the spleen. And you really can truly appreciate better in that regard. So that indeed becomes very, very helpful. Now, this case also makes the point about the importance of timing, that timing indeed is everything. Timing is critical to how we look at these cases. And the reason I mentioned timing is so critical is an example of this case. This is arterial phase imaging, and this was read as a pancreatic mass or a peripancreatic mass, tumor infiltration. And it does kind of look like that. You see the splenic artery going through the process, but it does, one would have to argue, you know, that it does look like a mass. Maybe it's gastric, maybe it's pancreatic, maybe it's retroperitoneal. It does look really worrisome. But you look at the liver for a second, the liver shows cirrhosis, and I am telling you, whenever you have a cirrhotic liver, you have to worry about varices, and although the liver doesn't look all that bad, the amount of varices present and the pattern of collateralization does not match one-to-one. -one. So when you see this appearance, look what happens when you go 30 seconds later. Look at those large collateral vessels. So this patient simply had varices and collateral vessels. There was no evidence of a pancreatic, a peripancreatic, or gastric mass. And what a mistake you could have done. You could have biopsied this. What a disaster. And here it is on the axial and coronal view. So again, the importance of thinking about this is very, very important. Then we have arterial phase imaging, like this example, unenhanced varices can simulate a mass can be very, very confusing. So vascular structures, to me, are always of concern if you only have early phase imaging. And the process works several ways. This patient was sent to us for a neuroendocrine tumor, vascular lesion head of pancreas. But when you look at it, the homogeneity of the lesion, the way it enhances, enhancing like vessel, this was a pseudoaneurysm of the GDA. Patient had a history of pancreatitis, that's why they got the GDA aneurysm or pseudoaneurysm. But what a mistake you can make if you biopsy this or went in to resect it. This patient needed simply embolization. So again, vascular structures can be very confusing. Most of the time to me it's on the arterial phase when they're not enhancing where you can fall into some real pitfalls. But sometimes when they're enhancing, you can confuse them. And instead of embolizing, which we did here, you would have resected or biopsied. What a catastrophe. Now, another thing in terms of pancreas to think about are things that are near the pancreas. Not everything that looks like pancreas is really the pancreas. We can have peripancreatic masses simulate a pancreatic tumor, and it can be due to duodenal carcinomas. It could be due to duodenal gist tumors. It could be due to nodes from a liver tumor or from metastatic colon cancer or other processes, including sarcoidosis or lymphoma. 
And it can be things like lymphangiomas, for example. can be also paragangliomas. The list goes on and on. This case looked like a pancreatic cystic lesion, a chronic pancreatic tumor. But gee, you know, there's no duct dilatation. Maybe that's because it's low-lying. Well, this was a duodenal gist tumor, confused as a pancreatic mass. Or this case, a more solid mass. Now, could this be a solid pancreatic tumor? Yes, but then you got to say, why is there no duct dilatation? Why is there no distortion of the vessels, GDA, hepatic artery? You look at it, it's so smooth, it's really large. But when you look hard, what you're seeing is the pancreas is being displaced. This mass is off the duodenum, and duodenal masses are notorious mimics of pancreatic lesions. We see this all the time at our pancreatic multidisciplinary conference. Now, the truth is this tumor is going to be resected. This patient will get a Whipple's procedure. So in some sense... The result did not change, but again, how we work the patient up, what we need to be thinking about, indeed does change significantly. Another thing we see is patients with jaundice. Jaundice, you're thinking pancreatic mass. Here we see a double duct sign, you're thinking pancreatic mass, maybe an ampullary mass. What you're really dealing with in this case is a tumor infiltrating the duodenum near the level of the ampulla. This was a duodenal adenocarcinoma. It does enhance ever so slightly. The important thing here is recognizing what the mass is. Again, treatment will be a Whipple's procedure, but there's no nodal spread of any degree. None of the vessels are involved. This was a duodenal adenocarcinoma. Now, it's interesting. We often think of jaundice as being critical to say it's pancreatic. Occasionally, we're wrong, and it's a distal common duct or it's ampulla. But look at this case big common duct. Patient was joined. There's no great surprise. Large mass. But when you start looking at the abrupt cutoff, you say it must be pancreatic or distal CBD or maybe ampullary. But as you look at the images, you realize what you're dealing with is a mass in the duodenum. And this was a duodenal adenocarcinoma growing upward into the ampulla, obstructing the common duct, creating the jaundice. So again, duodenal adenocarcinoma, or tumors of the duodenum in general, can involve the common duct and can very much simulate the presentation of a pancreatic adenocarcinoma. So it's something indeed to consider. In this case, very nicely, you also see the patient has nodes just beneath the right renal artery in the right periodic zone. And here's just a couple more images showing you that case. What else? You look at this case very quickly, you would say this looks like a neuroendocrine tumor. And in fact, this was a carcinoid tumor, but it arose in the duodenum. And so you can see lesions that are peripancreatic, paragangliomas arising near the pancreas. You can see lesions in the duodenum, which simulate a pancreatic lesion. Now again, treatment may not be that much different, but again, the workup may be different. Very nice example. You've got to be very careful. Things that are peripancreatic can indeed rarely fool you. Another example. Here's a lesion was sent for pancreatic cancer. There's an outside scan. Looks like a big pancreatic mass. What you notice is two different densities. And the higher density thing laterally, in fact, was a duodenal mass and was a duodenal gist tumor. So again, very, very important to really be thinking about all of the facts. Why this patient does not have duct dilatation? Why is no common duct, pancreatic duct, vessels look good? What's going on? Could this be something else? And the answer, indeed, it can be. 
So I think there are a number of really very important pitfalls in looking at pancreatic masses. I think we need to obviously separate the things of patients who go to surgery versus not going to surgery. So for example, we talk about autoimmune pancreatitis. If you make the diagnosis, the patient doesn't go to surgery. If you don't make the diagnosis, the patient ends up with the Whipple's procedure and the pathologist is the one who diagnoses autoimmune pancreatitis. This just tumor we just looked at in this patient, probably it's not as critical in the sense that you'd like to be more certain of a diagnosis in advance, and again, may change the workup of the patient, may make it easier to speak with the patient, but the fact is this patient is gonna get a resection and get a Whipple's procedure. So at times, the absolute treatment is not gonna vary in the short term. No one's gonna be treating patients based on the CT alone in most cases, in the sense of chemotherapy or radiation therapy, they'll always need tissue confirmation. But indeed, we want to get as close as possible to doing things right. So things that are important, we talk about multiphase acquisitions. I showed you varices, how, which can be confused if you only have arterial phase imaging, how you confuse that with masses, so that becomes very critical. I've showed you examples in part one and part two of this talk, how coronal imaging, as well as 3D imaging can really help you better understand where a lesion is arising from. Axials are particularly confusing. The additional planes can indeed be very, very helpful. We've also spoke about the areas that are probably the trickiest, and that's the tail of the pancreas and the head of the pancreas. In the head of the pancreas, it's the nodes in the peripancreatic region. In the head of the pancreas, it's the tumors in the duodenum. It's things in the liver hilum, all of which can become confusing. In the tail of the pancreas, it's typically things that relate to the spleen. Splenules, for example, or splenic pseudocysts. Those are the things that can be most confusing to us. But I think if you're aware of the possibilities, if you're thinking about them, then you're more likely to get the right diagnosis. So hopefully with that, this was valuable. And I thank you very much for your attention.